International Church. Who's excited for what God's going to do this morning? Who's excited about getting in God's presence, he, receiving the word of the Lord? Amen. There's nothing more exciting but to come in the house of the Lord. We'd like to thank you all for joining us this morning. We appreciate and love you so much. I'm Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here on staff. We'd like to start out with a testimony this morning. We got you, Julian, coming up and testifying. Let's give him a hand, everybody. Good morning, good morning. So uh, my testimony is going to be about uh, this new job that I got. I was going through a, a trying time where I had a job and I left it because it was a burden on me. Um, it was affecting my health and things like that. So uh, I quit the job and I had a period where I didn't have a job, but I had bills to pay. Obviously, as an adult, I had bills to pay. I had things that uh, were due that needed to get done. So I was just praying for a job and you know, there was one thing I really wanted that was on my heart. I was applying for jobs that, you know, were just going to be jobs just to get a job. But then there was one that was specific that I really wanted, and it was a job at a shoe store. And as, as crazy as that may seem, I am so, like, you could just look at me and tell, like, that's the perfect job for me. So I applied for it. I had to go through the whole application process. Like, I went from, I went online, did the questionnaire, uh, submitted my application, went to a group interview, went to a one-on-one -on -one interview. And every moment I was in prayer, I was like, God, if this is your will, let that be the job for me because I know that you know this is something that I desire and you know this is what my heart wants. So if it's in your will, let me do that and let me do it unto you and be excellent and show people Jesus through the way I sell shoes. And um, so and then I, I had got the call. I was at the zoo with my fiance. Hey, baby, how you doing? Uh, I was at the <laughs> and uh, he called me and he's like, how's your day doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. He's like, well, I hope it's better after this call because you got the job. Do you accept? I'm like, of course I accept the job. So I got the job and it, it just all and I had my first day the other day and it was just amazing. Like it, it couldn't be nothing but God the way that it worked out. So it was amazing. Um, the verse that I like to that I would like to share about it is in Matthew 6 uh, verse 25 to 27. And it's therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and not much more valuable are than they. Uh, can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? And that just blessed me. Let's pray. God, we come in your name, and I pray that you will bless your people at MPI, Lord, that you will bless the, bless the body of Christ, God, that they will go out and get the jobs that they seek, that they will go out and provide for their families, God, that they would do it all into your will, God, and it will be excellent, God, that they would, that, that, that when that day comes, God, when they meet you, that you would say, well done, my good and faithful servant, that everything will be for your glory, for your greater name, Jesus, in your mighty name we pray, amen.
mother the orphan your kindness makes us whole and you sold our weakness and your strength becomes our own yes you'll make it me like you your clothing me to be close to you just to walk next to you 
to fill this place with our praise this morning. Let's fill this place with our worship. Jesus, oh, the Holy Spirit's here. You don't have to wait no more. What you've been searching for, oh, what you've been searching for, whom you've been searching for, he's here. Oh, he's here. Jesus is here. spiritual in God's house, amen, for he's a spirit, come on, all eyes closed to eliminate all the distractions in this place, I don't think there's people in here that believe that, what you're singing, I think a lot of the time we, we think that God is a conditional God, that he doesn't love us with all his heart because he thinks we're going to make mistakes, and, and because of that, we can't fully love God. Because we're always thinking like, man, you know what? He knows who I am. Yes, he knows everything about you. 
what you've done, what you're going to do. But he's not the type of God who's one foot in, one foot out. He's not the kind of God who gives his heart in pieces. Just a little bit here, just a little bit for this Sunday. I'm telling you right now that the Holy Spirit of God is wanting to go ahead and overflow your heart with his love, with his grace, with his power. If you would let him, if you would let him, if you would open up your heart, if you would have faith this morning. So I want us to sing that again, and not just words, but I believe that people are going to break through. Man, you've been thinking about coming to church. You've been thinking about that sin that no one knows about. But God is saying enough is enough. I love you with my whole heart. You don't have to live like that. That's the God we serve. So right now, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hands before we start singing. And in your own words, just say, God, I believe you don't give your heart in pieces. You don't hide yourself from me. Come on. He's not hiding from you this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, but we have the fullness. We have the fullness this morning. Lord, I just pray for anyone to hear this morning, God, that believe that lie. That, God, you only come in bits and pieces. That your love only gets better if maybe they think hard enough. God, you want it right now. So every person with their hands raised, God, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your love. Holy Spirit, break the chains this morning. Nothing holding them back. We break that mindset. We come against it. Come on. You're not saved by works. Hallelujah. Come on. Break it off in Jesus' name. Come on. And we're going to sing that part. You know. As you
You are a God that searches out for us. You came to seek and save the lost, oh God. You didn't play hide and go seek. You came and found us. And we love you today and we worship you, King of Kings. Come on, lift up your voices all across this room. Tell Jesus how much you love him. In your own words, lavish him with your love today. Come on, he is worthy of our praise. He is a good, good God. There is no one like him. Nobody else compares to him. Jesus, you are awesome. You are magnificent. You are glorious. We exalt you, God, because you are the one true. partake of communion every week as a church, once a month as a church, the first Sunday of every month, is because it's one of the ordinances that we practice in the church, and Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. And before we partake of communion, as the ushers are released to pass out the elements, I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning, the good news that Jesus saves. Amen. Look to your neighbor say, Jesus came to save you. I'm going to be preaching from Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Somebody say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. This message is for those of you this morning who are not right with God. You do not have a saving relationship with Jesus. You have not repented of your sin, turned from your ways, and said, God, I want to serve you. I want to surrender my all to follow you. I want to be born again. My friends, this morning, the invitation has been opened to you. The spirit of the bride say, come. If you are thirsty this morning, if the world has left you high and dry, come and drink of the rivers of living water that are only found in Jesus Christ. That is good news. That's the gospel message for you this morning. You don't have to live by yourself, for yourself. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, Jesus, I'm running into your arms. I'm taking the free gift. There's nothing that I can do to earn it. I am a wretched sinner, but I repent of my sin. Cleanse me, make me new. 
So with all eyes closed all across this room, if that is you and your heart is pounding in your chest and you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I want you right now to surrender your all to Jesus because he is worthy. He is the only one that can save you from your sin. The only one that can bring water to your thirsty soul. And as I pray for you right now, I want you to come into agreement with my prayer. Come into agreement with what I pray and surrender and commit your life to God this morning. Dear Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room who is not right with you today. They have not been born of God. Their spirit has not been made alive by your spirit. I pray that today that they would repent, that they would confess their sins before you and turn from their wicked ways and turn and run into your arms, O oh God, that they would accept this invitation to come and drink of the rivers of living water that only come from you. I plead the blood of Jesus over them today, and I pray that today would be the day that they commit themselves to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. He is so good. How are you guys ready to partake of communion together today? As we have cleansed our hearts, we've made ourselves right before the Lord. This is something that we do to remember Jesus. The Bible says that they took the bread and broke it and gave thanks in remembrance of God, of remembrance of, in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So I'm going to pray for the wafer at this time where we're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for our lives. Lord, we thank you for this wafer that represents your body your body that was beaten and bruised for us, the nails that pierced your hands and your feet, the crown of thorns that was put on your head, oh God. We remember, we say thank you, Jesus, because if you hadn't done it, oh God, we would all be doomed to damnation and hell forever. But because you died and rose again, Jesus, we have new life and we thank you. We thank you this morning. Let's partake of the wafer together. hold up the grape juice that symbolizes the blood of Christ, the blood that he shed for us on that cross that washes us clean today. The Bible says that he takes our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he washes us white like snow. God, we thank you for your blood that you shed for us, the precious blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb of God. We thank you for this blood. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus that washes us clean, that has redeemed our souls. We thank you for your blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together of the grape juice. Hallelujah. Let's enter into worship one more time. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The ushers will come and partake of the remaining elements. Hallelujah, Jesus.
our confession of faith. The reason why we do this is because this is our Christian worldview. And we want the world to know we stand on the word of God and everything that our life reflects, all the society around us, this is what we stand on. This is what makes us. It's the word of God that's going to see us through. So let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. In the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life, I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Spend some time hanging out. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are up here ready to pray for you.
All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church today? Come on, make some noise. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're so happy that you're here with us, especially if this is your first time here. Welcome. Keep on coming back. On behalf of all the leaders, we thank you for being with us here today for our 10 a.m. service. Every Sunday at MPI, we have a 10 a.m. service and a 1 p.m. service. This is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for children, infant to 11 years old. So if you have children in that age group, please feel free to bring them back there. We have some of the best children's workers on the planet. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old. This is our youth group. God is doing amazing things through all the leaders there. And we're really excited about all the lives that are being changed. So if you're in that age group and this is your first time here, Join them on Friday night at 7. It's awesome. Who's excited for next Sunday? Come on. It's right upon us. All Nations Dinner. We want to encourage you guys to bring a dish that represents your nation. So it's going to be July 10th next week, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, Brandon Hall, our guest worship leader, will be with us again. So we really want to invite our friends and family, especially those that don't know the Lord, so they could come and partake of all the goodness that, that is going to happen that day. So if you have a dish that you want to bring, please let Pastor Sue Allen know uh, what it is, and then she'll ask you some, some information about it. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Say loving God. Loving people. Two greatest commandments that were given to us, and that's how we want to live our life. And our strategy here is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. The way that we connect you here is through our life groups. We have leaders that are opening up their homes and just inviting you to come and connect to the church and connect to the body of Christ. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that we could keep preaching the gospel to the lost. Because how many of you guys here, somebody told you about Jesus? Raise your hand. Come on. If somebody didn't tell you about Jesus, you wouldn't be here. So we have to keep going out there. Chicago needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And we want to do that. And we want to send you guys out. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys excited about that? Come on. We're also excited that we're entering a new quarter of life groups, okay? So for July, August, and September, we have a new quarter, a new schedule, so you could turn your hand out around, take a look of all the different types of life groups that we have. Some are new, some are the same. We want to show you a video of all the leaders representing their life group and inviting you to come out and join them. So take a look and enjoy this video.
group leaders. All right, so there you have it. They've introduced themselves. They've introduced their type of life group. Here's a snapshot of what's kicking off for this week. So today we have single moms meeting. Come on. 5.30, child care is provided. Also, our singles are meeting today, 18 to 35 years old here at the church at 4. Awesome group of young people who love the Lord, who want others to just come on, feel welcome, just be encouraged to go after God. How many singles do I have today that are not married in that age group and want to go after God? Come on. So join them. Tuesday we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Wednesday, King's Kids here at the church for our children, our little babies, infants who are 11 years old, 6.30 Thursday, the gang outreach is hitting the streets. If you're 18 years and up, you can join them here at the church, 7 o'clock every week on Thursday. And two adult Bible studies available for you on Friday nights, one at the Govea's, one at the DeVivit's, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. No excuses. Look to your neighbor. Say, no excuses. Look to your other neighbor. Say, get connected. All right. So we want to get connected. Let's this be the most awesome quarter, the biggest summer we've ever had in life group attendance. It will blow your mind. It will bless your life so much. So get connected. Now we got to get mentored, okay? So we mentor you through our 101 and our 201 books. We have awesome leaders ready to take you through these books and really encourage your walk with the Lord. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. That is done one-on-one with a leader at your time schedule 
and just there's accountability, there's prayer, there is encouragement there. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. This is where you learn how to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder and be all that God has called you to be, to serve and to honor God with your life. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say, send. Come on, who gets excited about evangelism and preaching the gospel to the lost? If you've never done it, I want to encourage you, meet here on Saturdays from 5 to 8, hit the streets, and share the love of Jesus with people on the streets and let them know that unless they are right with God, they will not get to heaven. It is our responsibility to go. Somebody say, go. Go. Say, I will go. So if you want to be trained, it kind of makes you nervous. You don't know what to do. That's where you want to get trained. Saturdays from 5 to 8, awesome time. So in a recap, Metro Praise International has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Come on. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Let's honor the Lord. Let's extend our act of worship through giving of our finances. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. That means if we have $1,000 that have come through our hands, how much do we tithe off of $1,000? $100. Anything above that... Uh, anything above that specific amount is between you and the Lord. And we designate our offering towards missions and towards buildings. So there's a tithe and there's an offering. And God wants us to be faithful with both. So let's get into our lesson today from the Disciples Giving Book. You could go to givingbook.org if you ever want to follow along. We're on section two, lesson 13. Offerings imitate God's generosity. How many of you guys want to be like Jesus? He is a generous God and we have to imitate that. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 9.15. You can follow along on the screen or turn in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's read the three main points. Number one, thanks be to God. Everyone in the entire world needs to offer praise to God because he is the source of everything good in our lives. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. For example, God has given us the ability to live, think, and be productive in business. If it was not for the Lord, we would not be here today. The very air that we breathe is from God. That is a gift that we could wake up every morning and say, thank you, Jesus, no matter what is happening in our life. Thank you, Jesus, that I am alive and well today. And no matter what I face, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you thanks because you're going to be with me. Number two, indescribable gift. The greatest gift that God the Father has given us is his son, Jesus Christ. As a result, the Father is the greatest gift giver in the universe. We should be like him. Amen? Number three, imitate God's generosity. All Christians should be compelled to live lives of generosity because they understand that the God we serve is a great, big, generous gift giver. Third John 1.11 says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Let that all give us a heart check, right? If we're doing good, it is because it's from the Lord. Let's imitate God's generosity, God's heart on this earth and in the church so that we could be the hands of Jesus, hands and feet of Jesus on this planet. In summary, be an imitator of God by being a generous giver. 
Three ways that we could apply this to our life. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, praise God for all that he has given you. And number three, imitate God in all you do. If you want to do that, let's confess this on the count of three together. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. So if your treasure really is with Jesus in heaven, stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our best, our best in tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is a 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. An offering is anything above that amount that you, that you are sensitive to, that God tells you to give, and we designate that towards missions and towards building. And on the envelope, you can see the different categories and put the specific amount that you want to go towards each one. Here are four ways that you could give. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. Pastor Griselda is available for that today if you would like to, to use that. Number four, you can go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Come on, nice and convenient and easy to use. Give it up for yourselves. Come on, we as a church. We as a church so far have raised $3,364. Come on, soul-winning summer. We asked you guys to pray, to partner, to give. That's how much we raised just for May and June. We have July, August, September, and October left, which leaves us with $4,636. How many guys believe we can do that? Come on, God's people rallying together to close out this building fund for 2016. We are going to do it for God's glory. And I want you guys to not only pray for, to give finances and be generous, be in prayer that visitors will come, that people are getting saved, that lives are being transformed through all of the evangelism, through all of the life groups, through all of the discipleship, all the contacts you guys make day in and day out. We want souls to be saved this summer. We want a harvest of souls. So that is what we're praying for. So if you have not joined us thus far, pray to partner to give because we're going to change Chicago and the world one soul at a time. So we are so excited. Thank you so much for making this possible. One person cannot do this alone. It takes the body of Christ living for Jesus, putting him first to accomplish what he wants to accomplish on this earth. So give it up for yourselves and for Jesus one more time. Come on. God is so good. Let's recite this verse together, Philippians 4:19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we can learn from your example of uh, being such a generous gift giver. I pray that our hearts, God, will always be hearts of generosity, that we would be faithful with the tithe, faithful with the offering, being sensitive to your spirit, listening to what you have to say that you want us to give. I pray that you bless the gift and the gift giver this morning. Bless and prosper them in all that they do and meet our needs today, God, according to your glorious riches. And may we win Chicago for you and all the nations of the world until you come back. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity.
All right. How many of y'all ready to get it on? Say whoop, whoop. Amen. How many love America and are happy for tomorrow being Independence Day? Amen. You're free to celebrate, to have fun. And I can preach all day right now because y'all ain't got nowhere to go tomorrow. Amen. So I'm thankful for the July. Thank you, Lord. I get to preach a four-hour sermon today because I'm free. It got all quiet. Look at you. Look at you. That's okay. I totally understand. How many are enjoying the summer, getting out, going to the lake? Let me just ask you guys this. How many have been enjoying these epic sunsets? Has everybody been seeing those epic sunsets? They have been amazing. If not, look at my Facebook. I've been catching some of the pictures, and I put one up yesterday, and I was like, when I see this sunset, I just want to praise God. And then under the comments, everybody around the city started putting in the uh, sunsets from where they were at, and it was so cool because you had some people in their neighborhood, some were downtown, some were by the lake. So literally, look at my posts, and you'll see God's beautiful creation. Enjoy it. Let's enjoy it because you know what? Before you know it, it's going to be 50 below. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be the tundra frozen and all of this. But, hey, I'm enjoying it right now. I'm getting a suntan. How many got some fun plans tomorrow? Can I get an amen for that? Amen. So here's my pastoral talk about 4th of July. Use it as an opportunity to share the freedom that God brings. Last year, my dad and I, and by the way, my dad and mom are here today. Dad and mom, you want to raise your hands? They've come to hang out with the kids. We've been doing ice cream, homemade blizzards, and uh, we've been going to the park, riding bikes. They've been having a wonderful time, and it's great to have them. But last year they came around the same time, and guess what? We invited our neighbors because that's a great thing to do. Don't let your neighbors feel alone. Invite them over. Bring them over to the barbecue. And I actually even felt convicted because yesterday was the most holy night for the Islamic faith, and my neighbors are Islamic, and they were barbecuing outside. As the sun goes down, they can fast. Uh, they can eat in Ramadan as, as the sun goes down, and they can also eat before the sun goes up. And so it was the most holy day for them yesterday, and uh, they offered me food over the fence. And literally, it was just a picture of being a good neighbor. They brought the food over the fence, and then I come and I receive it I eat it and it was so good and I'm thinking to myself Christians need to do this amen you need to do that same thing tomorrow you need to say hi to your neighbor bring them a plate of food invite them over and so anyways last year my dad and I were doing that with our neighbors and then before you know it it comes up you know why I'm a Christian why dad doesn't go to the Roman Catholic Church anymore why why we do what we do and we just shared it casually you know you got the kids playing in the water doing their thing you know out over there but you just share your faith how many of you have lost friends and family you're going to see tomorrow that need to hear the gospel. Come on, can we just pray for them right now? Let's do that. Father, we ask that you use us tomorrow to talk to our friends and family. Lord, we don't want to be party poopers. We don't want to cause an argument or a scene. We just want to share your love tomorrow. We want to let the world know, especially our friends and family, how important you are to us. And using this as an opportunity, God, is a great time to share our faith. So give us boldness. Give us courage. Give us the way to do it so it's not argumentative or awkward, but help us to share your love tomorrow with our friends, family, and neighbors. In Jesus' name, And everybody said amen. I hope that you do that. I know I'm going to. Let's open up our Bibles 
to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. We are in a summer sermon series called Spiritual Disciplines, and we're learning today about soul journaling. Spiritual disciplines come from this passage of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, where Paul talks about us going into strict training. So this whole summer, while a lot of people are going out and exercising, doing great physical activity, I hope that you're also doing spiritual activity, spiritual training. How many feel like you're getting spiritually in shape? Okay, amen. If I called on some of you to quote a scripture, would you be able to do it? Because last week we talked about memorizing scripture. Okay, let's see if you're putting it into practice. I know Jose came and told me this morning he had one. So, Jose, come up and tell us a scripture you memorized this week. Amen. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Man, thank you, good sir. I know Pastor Griselda had memorized a scripture that she wanted to share with us. Let's give it as Pastor Griselda comes. If you weren't here last week, this is what we talked about, memorizing scripture as a discipline. Does it come easy to you to memorize things? No. You have to practice at it. Like everybody else, you had to put in work this week to do it. And you're probably even a little nervous right now, right? So even for pastors, we get nervous, especially when we're going to recite something. Like when I do weddings, I get really nervous because I got to remember the names, the details, and I always say the wrong thing at some point, and everybody points it out to me and laughs at me. But that's okay. Are you ready? Philippians 4, 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There you go. Amen. See, we're putting into practice the things the Bible teaches us to do as spiritual disciplines. Now let's go to our passage and learn about soul journaling today. Here's Paul talking to the people of Corinth. They were a very metropolitan, cross-cultural community city like ours. However, they were deeply influenced by paganism. Sadly, now we are in America. But we can relate to them a lot, and especially with the Summer Olympic Games coming on. Remember, the Roman uh, uh, military conquered the Greek people, but they were conquered by the Greeks in culture. The Greek culture won over the Romans, even though the Romans won them over and took their land. So as we're thinking about Summer Olympics coming up, think about these guys in Corinth, a Roman city. They're cross-cultural. They understand a lot of what we're going through. Listen to what Paul says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the race? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Do you think right now those 100-yard dash or 100-meter dash runners are getting ready for this uh, Olympic coming up right now? Do you think they're training? Those runners, do you think they're getting ready, or do you think they're eating a bunch of stuffed pizza right now? What do you think those runners are doing? Come on. They're training. They're getting in shape. What about those swimmers? Do you think those swimmers right now are just laying out, just getting a tan at the beach, going, ah, I don't need to worry about that? Or do you think they're working hard right now? They're preparing. Their races are coming up. And this is what Paul is saying. You're in a race. You need to run in such a way as to get the prize. Come on. Somebody say, I'm a winner. Say, I'm not a loser. You're a winner in Jesus. You're more than a conqueror. Look at verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. What are they going to? Strict training. See, if the Cubs want to keep on winning, they got to keep training, don't they? You see, no one is going to win in a professional contest without training. 
Because there's somebody else out there that wants it more than you, and they're going to practice, 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 and they're going to take that trophy from you. They're going to take that title from you. And so you got to get into strict training. Now, spiritually, let me ask you this. Are you willing to put in some strict training for your spiritual life? Or are you just going to show up all lazy to the devil and say, I'm ready to fight you, devil? The devil's been here a lot longer than you, hasn't he? And hasn't the devil already defeated people even stronger than you, smarter than you? The, de- the devil has a lot of victories under his belt. He knows the ways of humanity. He knows what makes them depressed, what makes them tired, what makes them want to get up, give up. He's been studying us. He is our number one foe. He doesn't just want to steal from us. He wants to kill and destroy. And here Paul is saying, hey, look at these Olympians. Look at these people. They're running as a, in a way to get a prize, and they're competing in strict training. They do it. These Olympiads do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Do you believe that Jesus has a crown for you on the day of judgment? I literally believe that we will rule and reign with Christ upon this earth after judgment, and I want to receive a hearty, well done, my good and faithful servant from Jesus. I want to receive a crown that represents a life of obedience and a life of sacrifice for him. And that crown, the Bible says, will last forever. Now look at his conclusion. Here's his therefore. If you ever see a therefore in literary uh, works, the therefore is telling you why the previous passage is there. It's there for this reason. Therefore, he's concluding the point. I made an example about runners running, athletes getting into strict training. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. How many of you want to stay qualified? So don't be a hypocrite. And that's especially for us as leaders. If we keep telling everybody what to do and we don't do it ourselves, they'll get a prize and we'll lose. No different than if I was a boxer and I taught somebody how to fight in the ring, and then when it's my turn to get fighting in the ring, I start running aimlessly in the ring, fighting the air instead of the opponent. The students I trained properly will do better against their foe than even I, the teacher, if I don't apply the very things I've taught. And that's what the Bible is teaching us here. Put it all together and think about spiritual disciplines. Think about it. Are you willing to go into strict training so that your spirit can grow and succeed in life and that your flesh, this body, will be your slave? Start with the physical and then go to the spiritual. If you want to lose weight, you've got to make your body your slave. You can't let your stomach dictate how you're going to eat. Can I get an amen? I mean, I'm with my kids, and the grandparents are in right now. I don't know how many times I've had ice cream, blizzards, uh, uh, caramel corn, and my mom makes homemade caramel corn. But listen, that wasn't even enough, just homemade caramel corn. Then we know what I had to do was melt white chocolate on top of the caramel corn. But that wasn't enough. I said, it's still missing something. My flesh was saying, it still was missing something. I then ground up M&Ms into powder and dusted the caramel corn, which had two sticks of butter in it to make caramel, white chocolate, and then I dusted it with chocolate. That's what my flesh wanted. Now, if I want to lose weight, y'all, I got to put my body as my slave, put it under the power of my free will and make a decision not to eat that every day. And if you want to now do that to lose weight, we all got to make our body our slave. You can't let your appetite control you. 
What else can't you let control you physically? How about your sexuality? Hello, look at the natural, then go to the spiritual. Make your sexuality your slave, otherwise you will be a slave to sexuality. You will let your sexual preference lead you. This is why when we speak to the gay community, the lesbian community, you know, the LGBT community, we're not being mean. We're not being angry with them. We love you. If you're here today, many have come from that background. Listen, what we're simply saying is we are denying as heterosexuals our sexuality to want to have sex with others other than our spouse, and we're asking you to deny your sexuality that wants to have sex with the same sex. The same denial needs to take place. I am denying myself. You need to deny yourself. The only way that God blesses sexuality in the Bible is in opposite sex monogamous marriage. Opposite sex, that means husband and wife, monogamous, not with multiple wives or multiple husbands, in marriage, in a covenant. Marriage is a covenant between those people until death do they part. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so now take it to your spiritual life. It makes sense physically that i got to make my body my slave when it comes to my diet. Makes sense physically I've got to make my body my slave when it comes to sexuality. Well, how about spiritually right now? Do you think your body is always going to want to read the Bible? Do you think your body is always going to want to pray? Do you think your body is going to want to soul journal as we're going to talk about today? No, these things may not always come easy, and that's why we have to look to this scripture and remind ourselves that we have to go into strict training. Now, if you want to know what spiritual disciplines are in the big picture, they're a part of our showing in the growing of our spiritual life. Everybody say knowing. Everybody say showing. And everybody say growing. Thank you. Our previous series, if you weren't here with us after Easter up until the summertime, we were talking about spiritual growth, talking about knowing God through Jesus as your Savior, knowing that you're born again and you share in a divine nature, knowing that you can do all that commanded you to do, uh, that God commanded you to do. So say amen if you believe this. I believe Jesus is God and Savior. I believe I share in the divine nature. I believe I can do all that God commands me to do. Amen. That's what salvation looks like. It's a faith, belief, a trust that says, I know who God is. He's Jesus. He's my Savior. I know that God can transform me on the inside. Even if I don't see it, I believe that. And then I believe what's written in this Bible is for me today, and I can apply it to my life. That's how we're saved. We're not saved by good works. We're not saved by the list of 12 things that are coming forward. The Bible says, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any man can boast. Now, showing, everybody say showing. Showing is another word for spiritual disciplines. This is what the Christian will do to show that they know God. Now, put it in the natural before you put it into the spiritual. If I know my wife and I love my wife and I believe that she loves me and we're in a relationship together, will I show her my love? Yes or no? I know some of you don't know good husbands, but here's one right now. I'm going to ask you to think about a good husband and answer that question one more time. If I know she loves me and I believe that to be true, am I going to show her that I love her? Is a good husband going to be a good husband? Yes. Do we believe they're still out here today? Amen. They don't look like those guys cheating on their wives. They don't look like they're addicted to pornography. They don't look like the guys in the bars or in the locker room complaining about their wife and getting away to go to the sports thing. No, good husbands love their wives. Being with your wife is never a burden, husbands. Your, your wife should be your best friend, your first mate. 
Your Capitan, she's never a burden. She should be able to go everywhere with you. I remember one time we were playing video games at my house, and a married man said to me, why is your wife here? Because now my wife wants to come. I want this to be a guy time where no women are allowed. And I said, bro, I feel sorry for your wife because I want my wife wherever I go. I want her when I go fishing. We went fishing in Key West, caught sharks, and had fun. I want my wife there. Of course, she gets scared of the bloody mess that then ensues from that, but I want her there. I bought her a nice chair. You know, you can't bring all that stuff on the plane. So to make it happen for Mama, bought her a nice chair with a little umbrella, and there she sat. I always want to be with my wife. I always want to take walks with my wife. Last night, my wife and I took a walk around the neighborhood because I always want to be with her. Now, in the natural, there are going to be things that I'm going to show her my love by. So I know that she likes words of affirmation. So right now, by me saying these things, I'm putting love in the love tank. Amen? And the love tank is also a love bank so that later on I can make a withdrawal. Amen? Because husbands try to make withdrawals from their wife, but they haven't made no deposits. Amen? So if you want to make a withdrawal later on tonight, fellas, you better start making some deposits right now. And that's why they say with sexuality and marriage, for women, it doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts in the kitchen. you got to speak her love language where she's at, okay? And so here we know in my marriage, I, I know in what it takes to show her that I love her. Words of affirm affirmation, acts of service, doing kind things for her. There was a book written about the five love languages. You can read that. Now, if I say I love my wife, but I don't show that I love my wife, is that a true love? If I say I love my wife, but I'm showing more attention to another woman, is that, is that a true love? No, now put it same thing to the spiritual. If I say I love God, but I don't show that I love God, is that real love? Jesus said it like this, if you love me, you will keep my commands. John, one of his closest disciples, then said in 1 John, those who say they know him but don't keep his commands are a liar. So if you know God, you will show that you know God. The spiritual things that we do are reading our Bible, keeping our family in order, scripture memorization, soul journaling, which we're going to talk about today. It's like a dear diary to God. Praying and worshiping, that will be uh, next week. We'll see because next week's a special time. Is everybody going to bring something to eat? At least bring an appetite, amen, because I'm going to bring some food, maybe some Italian pasta. Mom, you going to give me some of your recipes, maybe a lasagna or something? Oh, snap. I'm going to come hungry and with an appetite. But I'll, I'll decide next week if we'll just do something special for your friends and family because I want everybody to be here. So I may sp speak on a different subject. But number five is praying, worshiping, disciple in Christ-like, discipleship in Christ-likeness, Christian service, public evangelism, spiritual meditation. How many are going to be excited about that one? Because I know we need to be meditating in this culture, don't we? We need to de-stress ourselves, turn off the stress valve and release. But you don't need to do the crooked chicken for that. You can come to Jesus. Amen? Financial stewardship. How many are going to pack out the house for that when your pastor talks about money? <laughs> Little tumbleweed blowing down the church right now. Pastor, I'm going to mark it on my calendar as exactly when that week is and I won't be here. But listen, think about this. If Jesus said you can't serve him or money, and he said that the, root of, uh, the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil, don't you want to hear what the Bible says about that? I mean, think about this. Any church will just take your money, but aren't you happy that every week we tell you something about the Bible and finances? Aren't you glad there's a lesson that goes with that? I mean, we could just take your money and go on and save time, but aren't you glad there's a teaching with that? Why? Because God wants you to be blessed. He said he makes his people rich and adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's not more money, more problems with God. Blessings come without the stress. Amen?
You can try to get it on a credit card and have the stress, or you can be too blessed to be stressed. Amen? Christian fellowship. How many want to make good Christian friends? Amen. And then church involvement. And then lastly, as you're showing those things, what's going to happen in your life? You're going to grow goodness in knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness are all going to happen in your life. Now, I want you to think about this as we get ready to engage into this message. What are spiritual disciplines in a nutshell? Spiritual disciplines in a nutshell are the commands and practices a disciple will show in their life to grow spiritually. Everybody say, they will show in their life to grow spiritually. Thank you. The growing disciple will be transformed in their behavior by being renewed in their mind for the purpose of reflecting the image of God. So as you're doing the spiritual disciplines, what's changing? Your mind. And if your mind changes, then what changes? Your behavior, your actions, right? As a man thinketh, so is he. So as you're doing these things the Bible taught us to do, which, by the way, yes, we keep commands to please God and to honor him, but when I keep a command and honor God, that doesn't transform heaven. It transforms me. So the benefit really is for us to do this thing his way because he's already good. How many know God's good right now? How many know he's happy in heaven? How many know everything's running just the way he wants it up there? How many know that's not happening down here, right? So we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when he's given us these commands, these disciplines, he's doing it for our benefit, for the sake of us fulfilling his purpose upon the earth. So if I am a hammer and I'm trying to screw in a nail, the nail uh, try to screw in a screw, I'm going to mess up the screw and mess up the hammer. In life, if you don't know your purpose and do things God's way, you will hurt yourself and all those around you. But when you know your purpose as the screwdriver and you screw it in, bam, you're doing it right for yourself and for others. And I want you to think about that as we're going to these spiritual disciplines because God's okay without us. I want you to understand that when you go to your trainer, those of you who are losing weight and they're all buffed and ripped, you know, all that, they're okay. If you don't follow their instructions, they're going to be okay. They're going to keep working out with or without you. Hello? You know, and that's the way God is saying it kind of like that to us. If you don't want to do that and you want to be obese spiritually and get whooped by the devil and run out of breath in every battle you face and be fatigued and wonder why life's not working out, you can do that. I've given you a free will. Or you can get get into strict training, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Believe that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And together we can partner together to whoop the devil and accomplish what I created you for. Amen? It's like you can do it his way or hit the highway. Which way do you want to go? I'm going God's way. So let's think about soul journaling now because many of you have never heard of this concept before. Let's talk about soul journaling. Like with the spiritual discipline of scripture memorization, which we talked about last week, soul journaling has been the foundation of much of the Bible. In other words, if no one memorized the word of God during the times of oral tradition or recorded their interactions with God, there would be no Bible. So these two weeks are greatly uh, connected to each other. People had to memorize the Bible so they could write down the Bible. And writing down the Bible was really important. And that would be considered a journal-like entry. In regards to journaling, much of the book of Psalms, just for example, could be considered the personal diary of King David. How many have ever read the book of Psalms? Have you enjoyed it? 
I remember one time when I first got saved, a woman that was much older than me was going through a divorce. Her family was being wrecked. Her husband had left her, but she was holding on to God. She was holding on to her family. She was going to church, and I remember her telling me, the Psalms of David comfort me so much. She said, it encourages me, keeps me from depression. I was just a young man, 18 years old. Do you think I understood about divorce or keeping your family together? I had no idea, but here was my story. I was a high school dropout on drugs, coming to the Lord from a a past of crime and, you know, doing all these wrong things. And even though I could not relate to her journey, my journey was one of pain. And I was using the book of Psalms to hold on for dear life and be encouraged. And here I ran into her and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, the Bible is so amazing. A mother going through a divorce, losing her family or struggling to keep her family from a husband that's gone astray found encouragement, just like a young 18-year-old punk kid found encouragement. Now, why is that? It's because it's the word of God through David's personal introspection. It's that background that God's using to give those spiritual truths in his writings. And the same could be said of the book of Ecclesiastes. Anybody remember that book? Read it before? And, the, and you know, and it says there's a season for everything. There's a song that came out of that by the Beatles, I believe. Turn, turn, turn in everything. Turn, turn. Well, that's a Beatles song, right? The birds. Oh, thank you. The birds. Thank you. And uh, think about Ecclesiastes. It's, it's sometimes it's depressing for people, but it's a man writing down the meaninglessness of life without having God. That's a whole nother discussion. But King Solomon did that and was faithful to write it down. And then when you look at your prophetical books like Jeremiah, Lamentations, just listen to that name, Lamentations. It comes from that root word, lament. Jeremiah is lamenting about what has happened in the nation of Israel, and Ezekiel contained these diary-like entries. So you can look at your Bible and see these passages where these people are literally pouring out their heart like a journal. Now, therefore, it's good for us today, the modern disciples. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, this is for you. Come on, look at your neighbor. This is for you. This is for me. We need to learn how to remember our experiences with God and record what he has said to us. Now let's talk about some soul journaling here. You guys want to see some scriptures on soul journaling? Okay, let's look to Psalm verse nine, uh, Psalm chapter nine, verse one. Go there with me first, Psalm chapter nine, verse one, and then I'm going to give you the definition as you're turning to Psalm chapter nine, verse one. Think about soul journaling as this. It's recording your interactions with God for the purpose of remembering them. The difference between a soul journal and just you keeping a diary, everybody check this out, check this out please. The difference between a soul journal and a diary is that God is in the center, not your own feelings and emotions. You're not just going to this saying, what do I feel, what's going on? No, the soul journal is about your soul connecting to God. What is God saying in my life right now? What is the word speaking to me? What am I saying back to God? So it's not dear diary, it's dear God. It's not just to some random thing. No, it's to the very God of the Bible. I am pouring out my heart. I am writing down what he has told me. I am remembering the precious experiences of God. Journaling is an important part of the Christian life. Let's look at Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. That sounds pretty basic, right? I love Jesus with all my heart, and I'm going to tell of all of his wonderful deeds. But hold on. We have a problem right here. We have a problem. Can I tell you this problem? We can't always remember all of God's wonderful deeds. 
So think about this. I've been serving God now for almost 21 years. This November will make 21 years. Now, when I first got saved, I thought that journaling would not be very important for me. Hey, I'm 18 years old. Whatever God does, I'll just put up right here and remember, no problem, right? Well, now as the years have gone by, I can't tell you all the wonderful things God did in my life at 18, 19, 20, 21, unless I go back and look at my journal. And if I didn't do that discipline well, I don't have much to show you. So if you were to ask me as a 21-year-old here today, if you were to say, Joe, what was it like when you were 21? I could probably recall a few things that God said and did in my life, but I wouldn't be able to tell you all the wonderful things God did. Now let me ask you something. If you gave a gift to somebody and they didn't appreciate it and forgot to use it over time, would you continue to give them new gifts? Let's look at our children, parents. You give them a toy. They stop using it. They let it go away. Do you then get excited about buying a new toy? No, because then you'll just have a box full of useless toys. The Lord literally spoke this to me one day when I was praying. And I'm going to confess to you some things, but let me just say this. The Lord spoke to me one day. He said, you're asking me to do all of these things in your life, yet you don't remember the things I've done in the past, and you're asking more. The Lord said, I'm doing these things in your life, not only for you, but for others, so that they can hear about my goodness. So we don't see in the Bible, because I'm a very literal person when it comes to the Bible, we don't see in the Bible says, thus says the Lord, keep a journal, write down the things in your soul. You won't find that kind of a command like you'll find to go witness, preach the gospel, give your tithe and offering, etc. But what you will see are these commands that say, remember, or I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. And so now we have a deep issue in our hearts. Are we going to say back to God, I can remember and recall and tell the world of what you've done in my life throughout these years without writing it down, or do I need to stop and take this serious and write it down to remember? So now I want to confess to you, this is my weakest discipline. If you were to find me at the gym, you know, there's different strengths. You know, if I do bench press, I'm good. I do curls, I'm good. Squats, maybe, you know. We go to shoulders, I'm, I'm going low weights, right? It's not something I'm strong at. We start going into different types of, you know, like lunges and those people who hold weights as they do those lunges. Man, I'm tipping over and falling down. We start doing other kinds of exercises like pull-ups. I'm only doing a few. There are weaknesses in all of our lives that God wants to strengthen us in. This is my biggest weakness. And as I've gotten older, I've begun to see just how important it really is. Because now not only can I tell you about my 20s, I can't tell my children very much about my 20s. But yet I survived my 20s. God did wonderful things in my life in my 20s. There's almost a decade that I can't recall all that God has done. I hope that you're feeling some kind of a conviction about this because I know I am. Let's look at Psalm chapter 62, verse 8. You can just check it out up here. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Once again, very easy. Let's pour out our hearts to him. Now think about this. If I said to you, pour out your heart to God right now in front of everybody. You get past the I'm embarrassed of being in front of a crowd part, and now you're going to be honest. I'm going to pour out my heart to God. How many words do you think you would have? 
Most of us would fall short on our words. I know I do, because even in my prayer times, I start like this. God, I need you. God, I love you. My family needs you. Our, our finances need you. You know, I'll pray like four or five things, a couple subjects. But if you literally were to write them down or dictate my prayer, it was only about a paragraph. Why? Because it's hard to stay focused. As I'm thinking about praying for my family, I start thinking about what my wife's cooking downstairs. As I start praying for the church, I start thinking about Sister Sassy who called me, caused some problems, and I think about how I need to forgive her, and I forget about blessing the Lord. I'm just keeping it real. I start thinking about my problems. But how many know if I said right now, write down the things that you're thankful to God for? How many know if you started to write them down and concentrate, you would say a lot more? Now, once again, I can't show you a scripture that says everybody has to write them down, get a pen and paper, thus says the Lord. But here are the commands. The commands are tell everything that God has done in your life. Talk about it. Can you remember them? No. Well, we fell on short of that command. So what do we have to do? We got to do something different. We can't just try to remember. And then here's another command. Pour out your heart to God. Okay, pastor, I prayed for 10 minutes and I poured my heart out to God. Come on now. If you started writing, I bet you would pour out your heart to God for a half hour to an hour. And it would be a lot more meaningful from your emotions. Let's look to Psalm 143.5. Look at this. I remember the days of long ago. Okay, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Can I tell you the thing that we miss about this? Is David has wrote that down to tell you that so he didn't forget that. Think about that. You're like, well, that's just David. No, no, David is being wise here. David is saying, I remember your works from long ago because I'm writing them down like I'm writing this down. David was writing down these things so he wouldn't forget. And he's meditating on the things he's written down. And he's considering what your hands have done. Once again, now we're not just talking about telling of all God's wonderful deeds. We're not just talking about thanking him for all the things he's done or pouring out our heart. How about if we did this? Looked back at all of our prayer requests and got to see the ones that God answered. How many of those could you tell me right now? I'm going to be real honest with you. I've been saved, like I said, for almost 21 years. And if I was to tell you right off the top answers to prayer in my life, I might run shy of 20, 30. I would have to what? Write them down to remember them. I would have to go back to a journal and go, man. There was a time I was praying for a minivan. I forgot about that time, and now I have a minivan. I need to go back to my journal to remember that God answers prayer. The, oh, there was a time when I was single and I was praying for a wife. Oh, God brought me that wife. I wish I would have kept better journals of, of the time of when I was starting this church because I could literally bring them before you as an example and say, look here, I was writing in a journal 11 years ago that God promised me a church of multi-cultures and a church of multi-ages and generations, a church that would change life. See, look what God did. Let's, let's recount together. Let's remember together. Let's meditate together. Let's continue. Consider together what God did. How many things could you get me to consider what God did in your life? But wasn't that precious that God gave you that? Can you remember that? 
Many, many, many times I talk to people and they struggle in the same way I do. They say, Pastor, I can't remember that. I can't remember this. And even the newly saved, who I, lo I love the newly saved. You want to you hang out with people that will encourage you. Hang out with someone that's been saved just a few months. They will tell you their entire life story and how God was a part of it every step of the way. You know, like many times as a pastor, I go, tell me how you got to know Jesus. And they'll say, well, I was born in 1988. And there's the journey. I'm telling you. But now ask an older saint, how did you come to know the Lord? They'll forget details. The story becomes shorter. Why? It's not intentional. They didn't mean to forget those things. They just forgot to write them down. And there's nowhere they can go to say this is how it happened. Let's look to Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 2. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. Now, pastors with less integrity, less respect for the scripture would say, there's your proof text, there's the evidence, this is a command. But I have to be honest and tell you, this is a man receiving theanustas in the Greek, God-breathed scripture. That is his command. You're getting God-breathed scripture, Jeremiah. You better write it down. So I do want to make a differentiation before I get to whooping and hollering. The Lord said, write in a book, write in a book all the words I've spoken to you. Write them down, write them down, write them. How many of y'all going to write them down? Slap your neighbor and say, I'm going to write them down. I'm going to write down in a book. That's good preaching right there. But it's what we call eisegesis. It's changing the context of the writer itself. Exegesis is to exit the meaning from the text. And the meaning here is Jeremiah is getting scripture. Your journal is not a scripture. Your journal is not God-breathed revelation. It is not something we're all going to turn to. Turn to the book of Second Jessica, chapter 3, verse 5. And the Lord said to me, he loved me, and I was his princess. We're not going to make your journal scripture. But what is, the, what is the truth we get from here? What God says to us, we should write down. That's a truth that we get out of this. What God says to us, we should write down. Otherwise, we may forget. And then Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 says, On the Lord's day, which is Sunday, somebody say the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. How many are in the Spirit on the Lord's day? Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now this one might cause me to have a little tear come down my eye. Once again, my journal is not scripture. I'm not John having a visitation from the Lord writing down a book. But there is an application that I can say here. The Lord is saying to Joe, write down what you see in life and hand it to your children. Hand it to Bethany, Hannah, Lucas, Zoe, and Joy. Can you see that application here? 
that God is saying to us. It's important that others hear and see what God has done into your life. Just like how John the Revelator was getting scripture that needed to be written down so he wouldn't forget that would be, that would be passed down to churches, shouldn't we see an application that we as parents and soon-to-be parents or at least young people who hope to be a parent one day, hey, don't you want to start writing things down so you don't forget, so you can hand them to others? How many feel that you need to write some stuff down? Come on, how many want to remember some stuff, amen? Remember what the Lord has said. Now, of course, anything that's in the Bible that is true will be verified by science. It is always just like, a, oh, it just gets to me, a pet peeve of mine when people say stuff like this. Do you believe in the Bible or science? I just want to, like, you know, bop them upside the head with my Bible and say the Bible gives you the meaning of science. I believe in science and the Bible. It's like if somebody says to you, do you, do you like pizza or hamburgers? I like both. You know what I'm saying? Like tomorrow at, at 4th of July, what are you going to eat, pizza or hamburgers or hot dogs? I'm going to eat everything. Amen? I'm going to eat my mom's Italian cooking. I'm going to eat my, my Greek in-laws cooking. I'm going to eat everything. So are, do you believe in science or the Bible? I believe in both. And I believe that one explains the other. Science can't explain why they're scientists. Science can't explain how a scientist has a mind. All of these things can't be explained by science, but the Bible explains science. Now, the same thing is with scriptural uh, memorization. Remember last week we learned that memorizing things is a part of utilizing your brain, and a utilization, the utilization of your brain is a healthy brain, an active brain, and it lasts longer. Do you guys remember that? Okay, the, f the, the five of you who do, thank you, but the rest of you do. Let me just teach you then. Memorizing scripture makes your brain healthy. Amen? Okay. Now, there are natural benefits of journaling as well. They've studied it. They have found out there are benefits. It will stretch your IQ. It will invoke mindfulness. It will help you achieve your goals. It will produce emotional intelligence. You'll be introspective. So many people don't know about themselves. They always, uh, you know, just think the best of themselves and never understand that there there's some things that they need to work on. And so a lot of times when I deal with people who are immature, they, they don't know themselves. They don't know how they project themselves to the world. Journaling will help you see yourself, emotional intelligence, boosting memory and comprehension. Because as you start to work with your, your journal, you'll write it down. You'll want to go back and check stuff, and it will help you remember the things you've already learned. And what that does in a memory in your brain is it connects these synapses together, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a neuroscience, but I do read them. And so it keeps that memory alive. So the more you engage that memory, the more it stays connected in your life. Strengthens your self-discipline. A part of self-discipline here is writing down things. Improves your communication skills. A lot of us will learn how to write better as we learn how to journal. So somebody who said before, well, I'm not good at memorizing stuff. None of us really are. Unless you're really like a savant or somebody special, most of us has to really work at memory. This is the same thing with journaling. Most of us are not good at it. Don't use that excuse. Use this as a tool to train yourself. This will train you. Memorizing scripture makes you better at your memory. Writing things down makes you better at a communicator vocally and literary and your literary skills. Healing. 
it produces, they've studied this and found that people who do this, it, it produces inner healing for them because it helps them see patterns in their life. And oftentimes we're hard on ourselves and we begin to realize that, hey, we're not really creating all these problems. Life just happens sometimes. Are you ever around people where they always say, oh, man, I knew this would happen today. My car tire was already flat this morning. Now this person is, you ever see them, they think like that, like, I knew this would happen. Oh, man, I just, when it rains, it pours. The reason is, is because they're walking around with a negative mentality. They're like pig pen from, um, from, uh, some, from Charlie Brown, where everywhere they go, there's a cloud around them. Journaling will help you detach yourself from that cloud and start to see that problems just happen in life. They're, they're there. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In this world, you have many troubles, but I've overcome them. Amen? It will spark creativity. So often you'll write down an idea, you know, well, let's do this for a family vacation. Well, let me bring this up at my job or, you know, let me talk to my wife about this. And, and you write it down. It will help you remember it. And then it helps with self-confidence. I have the source there. You can check it out. Those are natural things that we can benefit. Now, spiritually, when we look to the Bible, what are the things that happen when we do this? Our prayer times are going to be more effective. We talked about that. You're going to be able to keep your testimonies. You can keep track of the verses that you're memorizing. Remember, we're supposed to memorize Scripture. How many are taking that serious? How many are taking their prayer life serious? How many are taking reading their Bible serious? This keeps track of all of that. And then it reminds you of the things that God has done in your life. Now, let's stop right here and think about this. I know this may not be the most shouting message that I've preached before, but I'm asking you, is this important to you? Is God doing great things in your life important to you? Well, you need to learn how to record them. Now, I want to give you some tips on how to do it. Everybody say, show me, Pastor. Here you go. Here's how you can journal from your soul. Find a time to be alone and hear from God. Now, some of us can't be alone in the sense of, like, alone, alone, like no one is else around because some of us, you know, like my mom uh, had me as a child. and She could get away into the den, but you had to still have me in the house. You know, you couldn't just abandon me, you know. And the same thing with my wife. She just can't just take off in the middle of the day and go, I'm going to go soul journal and just be under a tree somewhere, like writing poetry to the Lord as child services are being called and we all go into jail, right? So there's, there's ways to be alone, alone, and then there's ways to be alone when you're with people. And most of us already know how to do that with technology anyway, right? Shame on us. We'll be alone in our own world right here. So what you can do is you can learn to separate what's going on in the world from what's going on here and start hearing from God. Not horizontally, but vertically. I've heard enough of this now. I need to hear this now. Amen? Write down those things that God starts to speak to you. So when I talk to Christians and they go, well, God has never spoken to me, I go back to this. Do you make time to be alone with him? Do you read his Bible? Do you pray? Do you quiet yourself to actually listen to what he's saying? Because if you're expecting him to come up to you like Charlton Heston and be like, hey, how are you doing, Beverly? I'm God. Would you like to hang out today? That's not what I mean, have you heard from God? Or has God texted you or something? That's not what we mean, have you heard from God? When I'm asking you, have you heard from God, I'm talking about have you made time to be alone to seek God? Because he says, if you seek, you shall find. If you ask, it shall be answered. If you, if you knock on the door, it shall be opened. And another scripture says, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Can I hear an amen? Okay, then you write down those things. Okay, God, this is important to me. I'm actually communicating, think about this, with the God of the universe. How many are romantical here and like keeping love letters? Anybody like that, few of you? Come on. I have a, I have a letter, an email that I sent my wife before we were married, even dating. It was when she was working for me in the ministry. We were doing an outreach in Mardi Gras. 
And that, for some reason, has been so sentimental to me. I have it on my email right now. It shows my first correspondence with my wife. There was another thing going on on Facebook this week, like put up the first picture of your uh, girlfriend or loved one, uh, you know, spouse, whatever, and then put up the most recent one. See, those things are beautiful. Well, we should do that with Christ, too. What was the first word he spoke to you? You know? What was the first thing God told you? What was the first answer to prayer that you had? Write it down. See, those things are going to help remind you. Write down your prayer requests. You'll be more specific when you pray. Remember the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So when we write things down, we're being specific. Writing down those verses we're memorizing and writing down the things God has done and saying, God, we're thankful for all that you've done. I've got a lot of uh, resources here. If you just want to look them up, you can do that. They'll show you more different ways to do it. Can I give you an example of a journal that I keep as Vinny comes, please? You guys want to see one of the examples of my journal? Okay, let me show you an example of my journal. Now, because of how I am, I'm like super organized, right? Those of you who know me, I look like I'm all chill and laid back, but that's not really how I am. You know what I'm saying? You can ask my parents. I have a way for everything in my house. We have an order for how the children talk. You would think with four kids, my kids are just, ah, no, there was a, there's a turn for everybody. It's like, Bethany, your turn. Lucas, wait. I'm a very organized person. So when I, this is just my gift. This is the gift. And sometimes a gift becomes a bad thing when I become too hyper-organized, micromanaging. you got to know how to know to lay off. But I keep my journal very organized. I want to know what I'm talking about to the Lord and what I'm writing down. So here's how I do it. I do repent, replace, renew, rebuild, recall. These are things that I came up with that I do. I've never shown these to anybody. Maybe the staff. Staff, where you guys? Did I ever show you guys my journal? Okay, I did one time with the staff. This is personal to me. Um, I've already edited out the things that would embarrass me here, by the way. It's like, you know, just crazy stuff. But you got to write that down. They say you write down your fears right at that. You'll see how silly they look. So don't be afraid to do that. Just get out some whiteout before you hand it to your kids. No, I'm kidding. I think our kids should see it. You know, I, I, at, the end of, at the end of my life, whenever I feel appropriate to give them my journal towards the end, I want them to feel like, now you know dad. Now you know what dad went through, what it took to be a man of God. I wrote down the bad, the good, the ugly. Here it is. Okay, so I start off with repentance. That's just the way that I am. I talk about what I'm turning from. I always keep these things there. I repent for dot, 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 so I can just fill in the blank. I repent for being angry with the person on the phone from ADT Alarm Company. <laughs> See, I got to keep this stuff in here let you know I'm real. I repent for being doubtful of God's promise to provide for all my needs when it's time to pay the bills. How many get nervous when it comes to the first of the month? Some of us are still working hard to build a savings, to build a fallback. We don't have a lot. I'm still a young family. You know, it's not always easy. It's like, Lord, how is this going to work? Then I repent. I shouldn't have did that. I'll trust God. Replace. What am I confessing over my life? So, you know, you hear this as positive mental attitude. I just believe this as speaking the word. So I see myself, dot, 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 and I'll just start putting it in there for the day. I see myself at perfect peace in God's presence. So I'll just imagine, like, I am okay. I'll use my imagination to be like, I am okay, and I'll start believing, like, I am okay, and the Bible says I'm okay. And then, and then where are the scriptures for this? Oh, my gosh, I have so many scriptures for this. He keeps that perfect peace, those whose mind are set on him. That's just one that will blow your mind just to do this part right here. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and petition, uh, in all things make your supplications and prayer requests known 
you know, with all prayer and supplication. I'm butchering that verse, but the idea is you're, you're replacing anxious thoughts with prayer. I see myself prospering and being successful as a great father and pastor. How many think that's good for me to do? Do you think becoming a great father is going to happen by accident? Do you think I'm going to be able to catch that on ESPN? And we interrupt right now the Cubs game just to talk to all you men out there. We're going to teach you how to be a great father according to the Bible. Here we go. Here's great examples of great fathers. Forget about them hitting something with a bat and a ball. Now they're going to teach. No, am I ever going to see ESPN do that? No, ESPN is going to brainwash me to think hitting balls with bats is going to change my life. Balls and bats don't change your life, people. Hello. So I've got to make sure I make time today to be a successful father and pastor. And it's okay to watch sports. Just notice in its, in it's a proper place. I see myself completing my doctorate with good grades. How many have goals in life? Do you think you're going to achieve your goals aimlessly, beating the air, running wherever you want to? You better stop and think about what you want to do in life. Somebody said once, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You ever heard that? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You better aim at something, amen? Renew what I'm going to do to stay spiritually encouraged, okay? I've repented for these things. These are the goals that I'm setting for myself today. Well, what am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to read and pray today. I'm going to go on an hour prayer walk. Yesterday, I got to go on a couple-hour prayer walk. It was fun. I'm going to read the Bible. Here's what I'm reading today, John chapters 1 through 4, Psalm 24. I'm going to listen to Joyce Meyer's sermon. So I just put those three categories. I'm going to worship and pray every day, read my Bible, and I'm going to listen to sermons. I don't have time for that. If you don't have time for that, let me check your Facebook status because we'll determine that's a lie. We'll determine that's a lie real quick. Amen? N number four, I'm going to rebuild and rebuild means what am I memorizing? So I've repented and replaced and all those things. So now I'm going to rebuild my soul with the things of God. And so here's what I'm going to memorize. And don't ask me to quote it to you right now. But uh, this one I'm going to memorize. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials of many time, kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I try to do one whenever I journal. Oftentimes I'll uh, do them without journaling. I'm working on doing this better but I'm always happy when I've done it. And then recall, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for dot, 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 a stress-free day. See, I'm actually tracking with myself, and I'm realizing, whoa, some of my fears are not actually happening. I was afraid about the bills, and it didn't, nothing went wrong today. God actually paid the bills. Wow, that was cool. I was free from all stress and worrisome thinking. Boy, see, that reminds me next time when I go through something. Oh, God did it then. He'll do it again. I'm thankful for my health, my family's health, every bill being paid, and a blessed family in church. How many of us right now would admit we don't realize what we have until it's gone? How many of us would just be honest and go, that's me, I'm, I, that is so me? The moment we got into a car accident, smoke coming out the car, somebody ran a red light, rammed into us, totaled both cars during the winter. Listen to me, the moment that happened, I had no idea that day I would be in that situation. Smoke coming from the car. My mind's in a million different places. I was supposed to be dialing 911, but I ended up calling my wife who was screaming because her ankle was broken. That's how I was reacting, shell shock. I'm hearing her scream, supposed to be calling 911, and I'm calling her, and then it comes on my speaker, her phone. It's like crazy how fast things will change if you can't catch up. Hearing the sound of the sirens coming, People are running to the car. Are you okay? Are you okay? My wife's screaming out, my leg, my leg. 
I mean, that changed my life. I mean, how many of us want to be honest and say we didn't thank God just in this service already for giving us a safe trip here? Hello. How many of us just want to be honest and say we didn't even thank God yet today for us having the ability to breathe and be happy and plan stuff tomorrow? We, we just think, and as America, we just think, and you know, Americans, Western-minded people, we just think we own the world. We just think we, 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 we call the shots. We determine the way things are going to be. We, we set our appointments. We buy our cars. We make our plans. And the Bible says a fool thinks that way. You don't even have tomorrow in your pocket, let alone 50 years from now. Plan, be wise, but don't act like you own it because you don't. So I got to make sure for me, I stop and become thankful. Amen. Can I summarize it for you as the band comes? Let me summarize it. Here's if you got anything from today. Here it is. Take time on a regular basis to hear God speak to you, to pour out your heart to him and recall the wonderful things he's done in your life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? Let's give God a hand clap of praise. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, thank him for three things right now. Come on. We're thankful, Lord, for our health. We're thankful for the freedom of this country. We thank you for the food that we've eaten this morning, that we're not starving, God. Everybody, come on, a few more moments. Thank God for already doing so much in your life this morning. We're thankful, Jesus. The attitude of gratitude. The attitude of gratitude right now, Lord. We replace our depression, our down in the dumps, our wishing we had more with an attitude of gratitude. Right now, Lord, we thank you. We remember all the good you've done. We want to tell of your wonderful deeds tomorrow, God. Even today, we want to tell others about what you've done in our lives. Let us not forget. Let us not forget what you've done. Lord, we want to have things to hand down, legacies, things that we can give to our family to show your wonderful deeds, to recount your awesome acts. We're going to get ready to sing and dismiss. Altar workers, would you come, please? Let's get the song Pieces ready having the words up for everyone as well in the back, please, and thank you. But before we do, would you just right now determine in your heart the time and place that you're going to start journaling? In your heart right now, determine the place and the way that you're going to do this. Right now, make it a commitment in your heart and then set a goal. Once a day, once a week, once a month, there are some periods of my life I would have been happy if I would have done it four times a year because literally I have years gone by with no journals. If my kids want to hear what was going on in my heart, probably like at 30, they're going to have to go back and listen to my sermons. There, there'll be no other way for them to know what was going on in my heart at 30. I would have been happy if I would have just did four that year, one every quarter. Just this is what's going on. This is what I'm praying about. Come on, what's your commitment to this? What's your discipline in this? Now ask the Lord to give you strength to do it. Ask the Lord to give you strength. Ask the Lord to prompt you. Ask the Lord to guide you. Remember, God said he will lead you on paths of righteousness. Lord, guide us, teach us, develop this in our lives. A spiritual discipline is not something we do on our own. It's something we do with you. 
Spiritual disciplines are supposed to be initiated and followed by the Spirit. And we're following the initiation of the Spirit. So set our hearts on you. Set our minds on you. The scripture that I also memorized this week is in the book of Peter. Because I was doing a prayer walk with the Lord and I was just kind of talking and singing to myself. And I'm sure some of my neighbors think I'm crazy. Here's this guy singing and dancing. I literally will dance sometimes. That's another story. I'm so serious. What I do is just between me and God. But it happens to be on a sidewalk in public. But anyways... I saw this high branch, and I said to myself, let me see if I can jump and touch this. In the middle of my prayer walk, I got distracted to try to jump and touch a branch. And as I went to do it, my ankle just made a weird noise, and I mean, I did a weird thing, and it felt really crazy. And then I landed, and I kind of heard something. I shouted out. It hurt, basically, and I couldn't touch that thing. And then instantly, I said to myself, I said, Lord... I'm getting old, but I know you still love me. Lord, I'm not as young as I once was when I first started to learn about you. And then the Lord spoke a scripture to me. All flesh is like grass, the glory of men like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then my heart got encouraged. No midlife crisis. The brakes were put on of depressive thinking. I just heard the word of the Lord say, yeah, Joe, you're like grass. All that you'll ever do in this world will fade away like a flower. But guess what? What I've said and what you've done for my word will never go away. Never go away. And I felt so encouraged as a 39-year-old man trying to jump and touch a branch on my prayer walk, busting my ankle. 30 more seconds, you and Jesus right now, how important it is to make memories with him. How important is it to you to make memories with Jesus? Do you want to write them down? Do you want to record them? Do you want to pass them on to your children? Lord, we want to live for you, and we want the world to know about it. 15 more seconds because you're important to us. All the blogging being done today, all the silliness. I know it's cool for women to do makeup videos. I'm so glad they're teaching women how to do makeup, but come on, how many of you could do a video blog talking about what's going on in your heart? Women, the Bible says beauty is vain, charm is deceptive, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. You can do both. You don't have to choose one or the other. But if you're going to put one as your focus, make Jesus your focus. Jesus in social media. Jesus in your life. Jesus with your coworkers. Can I get a big amen to that today? If you love Jesus, can we give him a hand clap of praise? Come on, one more time. Amen. We're going to do it, Jesus. Now, I want to get a journaler. Now, normally with all of our spiritual disciplines, I can point to our leaders and go, this one's good at this, this one's good at that. But I have no idea out of everyone up here today who is good at journaling because I want you to pray for us. I'm looking at Cynthia Rodon. Do you journal? Not you want to do better? Who's been doing good in the elders or deacons? I don't even care if you're not at the altar. I want someone who's been doing good at this. Who's been keeping journals? All my church is getting getting rebuked today, I guess. But all of us got to do better, don't we? 
You told me you kept the journal yesterday. I think that's probably better than most of us right now. Can you pray for us? Before yesterday, when was the last time you did a journal entry? Entry. Well, then why didn't you raise your hand? You're keeping a daily journal almost. Jesus, um, we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us still, Lord, and um, I pray, oh God, that we all will be humble and obedient to your voice, Lord God, and, and when you speak to us, Lord God, and we will obey, Lord, you said in John, oh God, chapter 16, when you send the Holy Spirit, you said, Lord, that, um, that we don't have, you have not yet spoken to us everything that was that we cannot even bear what you have that you want to speak to us lord something along those lines and uh but the holy spirit will give us the words will speak to our hearts lord god i pray that we will be still and that we will be um still and hear what the spirit of the lord says lord god like you said in revelations lord god and, and god that we will um strengthen our relation with you through journaling will always remember your good deeds things that you've done lord god that even this week and we haven't been journaling lord god that we go from day one when you touched our hearts oh god the day that we encounter your love oh jesus be glorified as we journal lord god i pray that you be that your name be glorified and lifted high jesus amen amen slap your neighbor high five and say get to journaling God bless you. Have a safe 4th of July. We'll see you next week. Come up for worship and prayer if you'd like to. Otherwise, you are dismissed. We love you. We're going to hang out and worship a little bit. Pray if you'd like to join us. to seek you and find you, O oh Lord. Yes, God. We're coming after you, Jesus. We want all of you. We want all of you, Lord. Yes, you don't hide yourself. Come on, we're going after heaven today. We're touching heaven, changing earth. You don't give Let's sing it together a few more times with enthusiasm. We worship you, Jesus. One more time, and then we'll sing the verse. But let's shout it out because we believe it today.
powerful in our lives today. You never say that you will Jesus, Lord. You're always near, never forsaken, no. There's no other God like you that your word stands forever. Always near, always close, wherever we are. Said your word is here, keep it planted, keep it planted, keep it planted right in, in our hearts, oh Lord. Cause I can trust in you, but we'll trust in you, yeah. Say we'll trust in you, oh, say we'll trust in you, oh, we'll trust in you, yeah, say we'll trust in your faithfulness, say we'll trust in your everlasting word, say we'll trust in everything you are, because you don't hide. in this place I sense the Lord saying walk with me draw near to me even in that prophetic song that our brother Chris just sang what a powerful word he doesn't hide himself he wants to get closer to us y'all he wants to be so close to us he wants to invade every part of our lives We just want to know you. We just want to hear you. We just want to walk with you. We 
just want to walk with you. Oh God, we just want to know you. And we just want to hear you. And we just want to walk with you. Yeah, walk with you. Today's the day of the Lord. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he spoke to me. And he changed my life. What would you write down if you had the chance to right now to remember this day? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he spoke to me and he encouraged me. He gave me this word. Just a few more moments before we move from this service to the next. Come on, a few more moments. If you guys have a prophetic song, please sing it out. But the Lord is here and I don't want to leave. Oh, the Lord is here. The Lord is near and I don't want to leave. And I don't want to leave. Talk together. 